Empire. Welcome to Inside the Cap. I'm your host, Joel Corey. You can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel, C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L. And you can read my regular agent's take column at cbssports.com. This week, we're going to look at two things. The Orlando Brown Jr. trade to the Kansas City Chiefs. And also look at a couple other guys who could be traded in the days leading up to the NFL draft or during the draft. And a couple of guys that we're pretty sure that they've been subject to trade rumors that probably won't. Now, on Friday, we saw... The Baltimore Ravens trade their right tackle, Orlando Brown Jr., to the Kansas City Chiefs. The Ravens get the Chiefs' first-round pick, which is 31st overall, uh, 2021 third-round pick, um, 94th, uh, fourth-round pick, 136th, and a... I mean, the Ravens get this. The Ravens get that. And a 2022 fifth-round pick. The Chiefs get Brown. Um, a 2021 second round pick, 58th overall, and a 2022 sixth round pick. The reason the um, Browns, the uh, Ravens are gonna were willing to trade Brown, is because he's made it very clear he does not want to be a right tackle. When Ronnie Stanley got hurt, um, middle of last year, he stepped in and played left tackle. His dad, Orlando Brown Sr., was a left tackle for both the Cleveland Browns and the Baltimore Ravens um, in the 90s. So you could either let him play out his rookie contract, and he's, he was going to make $3.384 million. then let him walk in free agency because he's not going to sign to be your right tackle, and you pick up at best a third-round compensatory pick in 2023. Now, uh, depending upon what valuation, draft valuation chart you look at, under the Jimmy Johnson one, um, which is a little outdated or antiquated. You net out all the picks, basically, in this out, Kansas City is reportedly viewing it, that it was the 45th overall pick is what they gave up. Now, if you look at some of the more modern charts, um, depending upon which one you look at, the range is uh, in the latter teens to, mid, to mid-20s is first-round pick is what was given up. Kansas City has completely overhauled their offensive line from last year. And we saw in the Super Bowl not having either tackle that started the season. Um, Eric Fisher, Mitchell Schwartz just made life difficult for Patrick Mahomes. So they've got presumably the left tackle for the future in Orlando Brown. And the centerpiece of their line overhaul was going out and making Joe, Joe Tooney the highest paid Offensive guard in NFL history, $16 million per year, $80 million over five years of $46.89 million in guarantees. Kyle Long's come out of retirement to be the uh, right guard, presumably. Um, you've got Duvernay Tardif coming back, uh, Laurent Duvernay Tardif coming back from opting out out of COVID around as well. So we'll see um, how this revamp line works. Chris Fisher won't be back definitely, torn, torn Achilles. Um, in the playoffs, says he's starting to get a lot of interest. Um, the Browns uh, are rumored to be uh, signing former Steelers tackle, uh, who was a left tackle, Alejandro Villanueva, 
after May 3rd, so he doesn't factor into the compensatory pick equation, um, to be their right tackle. But the Chiefs, great move for them in terms of helping shore up the offensive line. Now, how's this, what does this do for the cap? Baltimore ends up netting about $2.56 million in cap room because Brown's $3.384 million salary comes off the books. Somebody else has to come in to the top 51. So they don't pick up $3.84 million because you ne- so he's part of the top 51. He leaves the 50 player. Somebody else takes his place. And according to the FLPA data, the Ravens had about $12.6 million of cap space prior to the trade. You add this basically 2.56. They're at pretty much uh, $15,170,000, give or take a couple thousand dollars. So 15.17 basically where they're at. Kansas City, according to FLPA data, had about um, $12.56 million in cap space. Now, he comes in, his $3.384 million comes onto the books, and someone who was in the top 51 comes out. So, basically, it's a net, it's a loss of about $2.534 million of cap space. So, that's going to put Kansas City just a shade over $10 million in cap space. Now, um, you only have a small sample size of Brown playing left tackle. And one of the things which is supposedly part of the deal is they're not going to talk about an extension. From That's according to Mike Garofolo of NFL Media, although Adam Schechter said that there could be talks down the road or to get a deal done. But let's say he plays out his contract. You'll, have, you'll know definitively how good a left tackle is. And once he took over for an injured Ronnie Stanley last year, didn't give up a sack, didn't give up a hit in the 389 pass-blocking snaps he took at left tackle. That's according to Pro Football Focus. So if that's the Orlando Brown you were getting, then you probably wanted to get that deal done sooner rather than later. And... The thing is, getting a deal done right now, <laughs> you got to think that for a guy who doesn't turn 25 until next week or May 2nd, you got a guy in, in offensive tackles can play, have long shelf lives. He's looking at that Ronnie Stanley deal. I can't imagine that that's not something that is on his radar screen. That he wants to top the deal that Ronnie Stanley got last year, uh, middle last season, right before he got hurt, who was a All-Pro, first-team All-Pro in 2019. Stanley signed for 98.75 million over five years, averaging 19.75 million as an, on his extension. Mac deal maxes out at 100 million dollars through incentives. Had the most overall guarantees in an offensive lineman contract, a shade over $66.5 million. Fully guaranteed, $58.8 million fully guaranteed at signing. But I got to think that's an important deal to him because that's the reason why he wanted out of town. Uh, and quite, quite frankly, that deal didn't come in where I thought it would. I thought it would be closer to the Laramie Tunsil deal. Tunsil signed for $22 million per year. Right around this time last year, it was announced um, first day of the the day or second day of the draft uh, on the Friday of the draft. So that deal was a little underwhelming. So if you want to get a deal done now, 
that's probably where you would you would have to go. Now, if you wait, and we've seen that several teams have waited, if he plays like he did in that run-heavy Baltimore offense, so you don't have a huge sample size because one, they were so run they were so run-heavy. Kansas City is more pass-happy, so there are going to be more opportunities for him to be pass-blocking. But if that's an indication of what he is at a left left tackle, you're making a mistake by not getting the deal done now. Because you're probably going to have to make him the highest-paid tackle if you wait, and he plays well. And right now, on average, that's um, that kind of misleading Trent Brown, uh, Trent Williams deal with the 49ers. And the agent's not going to say it's misleading. He's going to say, hey, six years, averages 23.01 million. That's our benchmark. Otherwise, it'd be David Bakhtiari at 23 million per year. But that's where you're probably going to have to go if you, uh, if you wait. If you, if, you, if you wait and don't do the deal um, sooner rather than later. And we've seen that happen previously. Amari Cooper, um, Dallas traded for him in 2018, didn't get a deal done. And when he did sign, re-sign him as a free agent, $20 million per year, second highest paid receiver. Laramie Tunsil, when he was traded from uh, the Dolphins to the Texans, deal didn't get done. Came the first $20 million per year offensive lineman. Jalen Ramsey, traded in the middle of the 2019 season from the Jaguars to the Rams. Deal was not a part of the equation. Um, right before the start of the regular season, first $20 million per year corner. Trent Williams traded during the draft last year from the Washington football team to the 49ers. And they couldn't franchise him either. That was, part of the, that was an adjustment made to his contract. Uh, Ronnie Stanley hadn't been done. There's only one $20 million per year guy, Laramie Tunsil, highest paid uh, lineman in league history. And this is a, something you're going to probably see surface with Jamal Adams. They gave up basically two first-round picks to get him. He don't want to be viewed just as a safety because he set the sack record for defensive backs last year even though he's much stronger in run support than in coverage. There weren't any $15 million per year safeties. Now there are. So that whole thing is going to crop up again. So the moral of the story to me is if you have, you give up significant draft capital for a player and he's a Pro Bowl caliber player and and he's heading into a contract year, there are years remaining on the contract, it's going to cost you more the longer you wait to get the deal done. So we haven't seen it happen, really, since Khalil Mack. You had a guy go for significant draft capital, and a deal was done simultaneous to the trade. I think that was really the last time you saw that, that happen, and that was a couple of years ago when Khalil Mack became, I think that was t- 2018, I believe, when he became the uh, highest-paid non-quarterback at $23.5 million, um, a few days after Aaron Donald signed for $22 million per year. Um, in extension with the Rams, but um, we'll see who, who's, who's right. Um, Adam, uh, Adam Schechter, who said they are going to work on something, or Mike uh, Garofalo, who said they haven't planned to play out the final year of the contract. Obviously, they could franchise him. That's something um, that they have a right to do. And if you look at where the franchise number could be, uh, let's assume that the cap gets back to $200 million next year. In 2000. In 20, when the cap was 198.2 million, the offensive line number was 14.781 million, and I've kind of run the numbers to see where it might be. If you're at 200 million, so you're talking like shade under 16 million 
is where his franchise tag number would be. Now, they could use that in negotiation to try to depress the salary, but that's not really how those things work when you got the top of the market at one place and the tag number at another place. We saw that with Justin Houston years ago, that the linebacker tag didn't really play, have a lot of relevance into the deal he signed. He became the second highest paid non-quarterback or defensive player, I should say, um, when he signed his deal, when he got a long-term deal done after the uh, Chiefs franchised him, I believe, in 2015. But that is an option. They can stick the tag on him and then go from there. But in any event, the Chiefs plan on having a very high-paid left side of the line. Uh, Tooney, highest-paid guard for now, which is going to be eclipsed by... Brandon Scherf, if the Washington football team gets a deal done with him instead of him playing out a second franchise tag, or if Quentin Nelson gets a deal done with the Colts. And whenever you do Orlando Brown, he's going to be way up there in the stratosphere for highest-paid offensive linemen. So Chiefs will continue to be cap-heavy. The good thing is that, that Patrick Mahomes contract has – Huge roster bonuses each year, so you can keep kicking a can down the road like they did this year and go from there. But the end result is the Chiefs have shored up the offensive line in their overhaul this year. And they could be making a mistake by waiting to get a deal done because if Orlando Brown is what they think he is, it's going to cost them more money in the long run. What's up? It's Mike Jones from the Football Jones Podcast. I know you're enjoying your time with Inside the Cap, but once you're done, I want to invite you to come over and check out my podcast. Each week, we take a deep dive into some of the most pressing topics around the NFL, high-profile guests from the coach, player, and front office ranks, as well as the top league insiders. Check out the Football Jones Podcast, another fine product brought to you by Empire Media. Okay, now let's turn our attention to a couple of players that could be traded leading up to the NFL draft or at some point during the NFL draft. First up is Teddy Bridgewater, the Carolina Panthers um, acquiring Sam Darnold uh, recently. Um, makes Teddy Bridgewater expendable. Um, his representation has been given permission to uh, shop for trade. Uh, the most logical destination would be the Denver Broncos, and that's because the assistant GM, um, George Payton, I mean the current GM, George Payton, was the assistant GM with the Minnesota Vikings when Teddy Bridgewater was drafted in the first round there. thing is, the uh, Broncos could be in a position if they want to take a quarterback in the first round, they might be there. There might be one there. Um, assuming Mac Jones goes third um, to San Francisco because we know Trevor Lawrence goes one. Zach Wilson supposedly goes to. That's going to leave either Trey Lance or Justin Fields potentially still available at nine. And the question becomes, do the Carolina Panthers, I mean the Denver Broncos, pull the trigger on a quarterback there? Um, if they don't, then maybe sometime Friday or early Saturday, Bridgewater becomes a Denver Bronco. Uh, part of the problem is that nobody is going to want to have his $18 million salary, acquire that, absorb it. So he's going to have to be flexible compensation-wise. Denver does have enough cap room to absorb the full salary. they got a little over $27 million in cap room, but can't see them wanting to pay 
him his full salary. The going rate for a bridge quarterback, which is what Bridgewater would be, he'd come in to, if not start, compete with Drew Locke, the second-round pick a couple of years ago, who has not um, looked like he is a definitive starting quarterback. That bridge contract amount is the $10, million, $10.5 range that you saw Andy Dalton and Ryan Fitzpatrick get Dalton from the Chicago Bears and Fitzpatrick from the Washington football team. Um, those deals have like about $3 million to $3.5 million of upside through incentives. So Bridgewater would have to do kind of like Trent Brown did when he was traded from the Raiders um, to the Patriots and reworked his deal where he makes less money than he was scheduled to make this year. So I'd say around that range, and maybe they lop off the uh, – 2022 contract year, which he has, or it would be Carolina having to eat salary on the way out the door where they would convert some portion into signing bonus to lessen the cap obligation for the acquiring team, um, presumably Denver. If they don't do that and he's traded, there's $10 million of dead money from the signing bonus uh, he got when he's from the $15 million signing bonus. Um, there's $10 million of guarantee, so Bridgewater's not going to drop below $10 million. And if they can't trade him and cut him post-June 1, there's a $15 million cap hit this year, $5 million next year. So there's probably one of those two things that has to happen for a trade uh, with Bridgewater. And that's only if the Denver Broncos don't use the ninth pick on a quarterback. If they trade back, then that Bridgewater thing seems like it might be in be in play. Um, another guy to look for is Zach Ertz, the Eagles tight end. Ertz wants out of Philly in the worst way. Um, Philly has been looking for from reports like a third round pick for Ertz, which isn't going to happen when he's coming off an injury plagued year. Only caught 36 passes for 335 yards and one touchdown in 11 games last year. Missed time with an ankle injury, which kind of plagued him um, throughout the whole year or the rest of the year. He's got a cap number of $12,721,500, supposed to make eight five this year in cash. So if Philadelphia is able to trade him, they're going to pick up $4.952 million of cap room. Harry Roseman is going to have to be uh, more flexible in terms of or just his expectations if he is going to move uh, Zach Ertz. Supposedly, they're willing to move out of the 12 spot, so it wouldn't surprise me if Howie wanted to um, dump Ertz into that equation. Um, team that's been rumored for Ertz is Buffalo, but they only have $4.2 million of cap room, so can't fit $8.5 million of cash into $4.2 million of space. Something has to give through a restructure. Can't see the Eagles eating cash on this one. If I'm Jacksonville... I got $39.5 million of cap room practically. I got a uh, rookie quarterback. Tight end can be a security blanket. I'd want Ertz. If I'm Zach Ertz, I don't want any parts of Jacksonville. (laughs) Um, Would be part of the problem. Two other teams, which to me would make sense, would be the Arizona Cardinals. They're going all in. Give Kyler Murray another weapon um, to go with. They picked up A.J. Green, which doesn't do much for me given what he did last year is a weapon in the middle of the field. You have DeAndre Hopkins, toughest division in football, NFC West. They have the cap room to make it happen. Or one which I thought 
it, where it should have happened was you should, probably should have folded Zach Ertz into the Carson Wentz deal for additional compensation. T.Y. Hilton resigned for $8 million on a one, $2 million in incentives. Uh, they've got about $21.5 million of cap room. They could absorb Zach Ertz. Maybe in terms of compensation of how he wants to get his third-round pick, Harry Roseman, that is, maybe it doesn't have to be a 2021 draft pick. It's conditional 22 pick, which is set at a certain level, some sort of day three pick. Day three starts fourth round, fourth or fifth round pick. And if Ertz returns to form that he was the previous preseasons um, before the injury-plagued 2020 season, then the pick elevates to what how he wants or if he get or if he makes the Pro Bowl or it continues to go up if he makes the Pro Bowl and Indy wants the Super Bowl. But for a reference point, Ertz caught 278 passes for 2,903 yards and 22 touchdowns, 2017 through 2019 years, uh, set a single-season tight end record for 116 receptions in 2018. So of those three years, he averaged 93 catches, basically 968 yards and seven touchdowns. So... <laughs> Maybe that's a way to get that thing worked out. Um, I think you got to get Ertz out of Philly if you want to pay Dallas Goddard, who is their tight end on a go-forward basis. Because if you still have Ertz on that roster thinking you'll hold on to him and you pay Dallas Goddard, you're creating a huge problem in the locker room. Um, Ertz won a new contract last year. Um, Philly and Ertz's people couldn't come to an agreement. Um, structure was one big problem that Travis Kelsey deal the one of the worst structures I've ever seen for a player of that magnitude was kind of what Howie wanted and there's no way Ertz would ever take that or any other good player should take a structure like that but if you're going to pay Dallas Goddard upwards to or more than Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry and they got deals averaging $2.5 million a year you better get Ertz off that roster um, to do that Uh, tight end who should want out but seems to be all in is David Njoku in Cleveland. He's the third tight end, third man on the totem pole. They kept the um, option, fifth-year option in place for $6.013 million. He's not getting a lot of opportunity. They're paying Austin Hooper uh, $10.5 million a year. They got him in free agency last year. They drafted Harrison Bryant in the fourth round. He's number two tight end. Njoku improved as a blocker, which is a weak point. Um, I probably would have traded him last year at the trading deadline someplace, but he seems to be resigned to the fact that he he's in Cleveland committed to having the best season possible. He's looking at a one-year prove-it deal next year in free agency if he stays there as a third tight end. He's not going to get a lot of opportunity. And we saw that this year, guys going on a one. Um, Jared Cook, $6 million on a one, who was a starter in New Orleans to the Chargers, upside to make the deal worth $7.5 million through incentives. We saw um, Gerald Everett go from the Rams to the Chargers. Uh, $6 million on a one, $7 million uh, is what the deal maxes out. Uh, I mean, not to the Chargers. I mean, he went to the uh, Seahawks. So $7 million um, is what the deal maxes out to be. A guy that I thought might have been traded but hasn't, um, Stephon Gilmore. Um, Gilmore had that partially torn quad, which required surgery. Um, everyone just assumed that... He, w- he would have been traded. Supposedly, he was on the trading block last year before the trading deadline, and the Patriots wanted a first-round pick. This one is interesting to me because um, if they're going to move up 
to get a quarterback from 15. Maybe they would throw him into the mix, potentially to a team. He's got a cap number of $16,265,503. He's supposed to make $7,911,765 cash. So if he's off the books, Patriots would pick up $8,341,738 in cap room. Now, um, one of the things is that Bill Belichick has had what I call the true Patriot way. It's not do your job. And it's applied to practically every player, with the exception of Tom Brady, who walked away voluntarily in free agency to Tampa Bay, that it's better to get rid of a player a year too early as opposed to a year too late, whether it's because of salary performance of age uh, or age. That's been a staple what's happened in New England. Gilmore hasn't been happy with his contract. He's in the last year of a $65 million deal over five years he signed in free agency, averaging $13 million per year. They work, reworked his contract last year right before the start of the regular season, raised his base salary by $2.5 million, gave him $2.5 million in per-game roster bonuses for each game he was active. On the uh, That's $156,250 per game. Um, added a $2 million incentive for being NFL Defensive Player of the Year, which Gilmore was in 2019. And his... $11.5 million base salary in 2021 decreased to $7 million. There is a uh, $411,765 roster bonus for a 17th game, which was also added in the process. So they've advanced them salary. They're going to probably have to make a choice corner-wise. The J.C. Jackson, who signed his 3.3 Eight four million dollar second round restricted free agent tender um, would be unrestricted next year. Probably can't pay both. Problem with Gilmore, he turns 31 in in September. Jackson is in his prime. Will be 26 in November. Had a breakout year. Nine picks in 2020. So you're probably going to ultimately make a choice between one of those two corners to keep on a long term basis. I don't know about paying a corner for ages 32, 33, and 34 if you do like a three-year extension for him. He wasn't happy at $13 million. So he had Darius Slay, who is like at $16.66, um, signed a three-year extension in his trade last year from Philly, from Detroit to Philly. Then you had to market escalate after that. Um, Tredavious White, $17.25 million per year. Uh, Jalen Ramsey became the first $20 million per year corner, and Marlon Humphrey at 19.5. Um, this year, you had guys signing in the $13 million per range in free, range in free agency, Dory Jackson, um, Shaquille Griffin, and William Jackson. So that's one that they're going to have to pick a corner at some point, I would think, before next year. Um, one guy I don't think will be traded, Odo Beckham Jr., First, he's supposed to make uh, $15.75 million this year. He's got three years left on his contract, $45.75 million over three years. Coming off a torn ACL. And then who has $15.75 million to absorb his salary? Um, I think if Odell Beckham Jr. gets traded, it'll be because he and Baker Mayfield aren't on the same page during the first part of the 2021 season, and they move them before the November 2nd trading deadline. That's what I would think. You're not going to get anything remotely close to 
what you gave up to get them from the Giants, which essentially was the trade was really before they combined the Olivier Vernon, Kevin Zeitler trade and lumped it into one, was Jabril, Jabril Peppers was part of the trade. Uh, went to the Giants, and the Giants got first and third round picks in 2019 for Odell Beckham. Um, so, yeah, you're not getting anything remotely close to him right now is quote-unquote damaged goods. Um, New Orleans has to do something to me. Um, two guys on fifth-year options, Ryan Ramsick, the right tackle, $11.064 million. Marshawn Lattimore, uh, Lattimore, 10.244, fifth-year option. I don't know if it happens around the draft, but they got to do something at some point with one of those two because they can only franchise one. Also, Taron Armstead, the left tackle, is up. So they only have $529,000 of cap space. Lattimore's situation gets complicated by the fact that he has that potential felony gun charge for being stopped um, a couple of weeks ago um, back in Columbus in Ohio. Bramsick probably wants to be the highest paid right tackle in football. Uh, that's $18 million per year, Lane Johnson. But he probably looks at that Colton Miller deal, which is slightly over that, is really like his uh, new benchmark. Lattimore wants to be up there in the cornerback stratosphere, I would imagine, north of, uh, of Tredavious White. But we'll see how this whole whole um, potential gun charge shakes out for him. And it seems like the Niners are going to keep uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. That's the plan. Um, trading him gets even harder because who has $25.5 million of cap room to take on a salary this year? Not even the Patriots. They got about 15. So even if you wanted to try to work some sort of trade where Gilmore goes to the Niners, Garoppolo comes back, given he's making eight practically, and there's 25.5, there's not even enough for New England to absorb that without having to restructure contracts. But they say they're going to keep him. He's got a no-trade clause anyway this year, so that to prove the trade. New England would be a place I'd assume he would approve, but seems to be that they're in a tough division when now mode. They won't be as injured as last year. It's hard to imagine them having the same injuries that they did in 2020. Then Garoppolo goes next year, and the quarterback they take at three, presumably Mac Jones, sits for the year if they're doing well. Or if they're not doing well or Garoppolo gets hurt, which has been a problem with him, then Jones would take over. But that's going to wrap it up for uh, this week's um, Inside the Cap. Uh, Thanks for listening. Don't forget, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel, C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L, and read my regular CBSSports.com column, Agents Take. We'll see you next time. Goodbye.